Hey guys, welcome back to the Beck and Call podcast. I'm your host, Merritt Beck. As a longtime fashion blogger, I've loved connecting with my audience over the years on all things life, work, love, and everything in between. And I wanted to bring that to life on this podcast. You can consider the Beck and Call podcast a weekly catch up with your internet bestie, where I share personal life updates, recent recs and reviews, and discuss relevant, interesting topics for women in their 20s, 30s, and beyond. I am so glad you're here. So let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I have been out of the country the last two weeks, and last week I didn't have an episode. I am sorry about that, but there was just a lot going on before I left town with my sister's wedding and packing and doing two guest episode recordings, and I just didn't have time to record a third episode before I left town. So my apologies that you didn't have some company last week, but this week's episode is going to be a fun one because I'm going to be recapping my entire trip from start to finish from my experience visiting Iguazu Falls for the first time to revisiting Buenos Aires and shopping around to the lodge we stayed at in Cordoba, which I've been to three times now. So I will be detailing all of that. But first, let's do just a couple recs and reviews. I do have some good ones for you. Just two, though. (laughs) So before I left town, I started a new show called Love and Death on HBO, and it stars Elizabeth Olsen. That's Mary-Kate and Ashley's younger sister. And it's based on a true story, which I had not heard of before, but it apparently happened in Texas. I want to say the city is Wiley. I might be remembering incorrectly, but it's north of Dallas. And Dallas is brought up actually quite a lot in it. So that's been sort of a fun touchstone watching the show. But basically, it's about a woman played by Elizabeth Olsen, who is who lives in a very small town. She's a devout Christian, goes to church every Sunday, very involved. She's a mom. She's a wife. And she suddenly decides that she wants to have an affair with one of her churchgoer friends' husbands. And the way she goes about it is so funny. Like, she's very forward about it and straightforward about it. Just the way she kind of approaches him about this and weasels her way into his life in that way is sort of funny. And of course, the plan is to keep it very casual and simple. They basically have these affairs during lunch and she prepares these feasts for them. And then they have sex at like a motel. Anyway, as you can imagine, with the title being Love and Death, it progresses to get a little more intense. And I haven't gotten super far into it, but you you know, based on the first episode that someone dies at the end, you just don't know who. So I'm I'm probably four episodes into it, but I really am loving it. The music is great. The costumes are great because it's based in the 80s, I believe. The acting is incredible. And it's just kind of a show that's fun to watch because you know they're headed for disaster. It's like a train wreck bound to happen, but neither of them knows when or how to stop it. Anyway, I recommend it so far. Like I said, I have not finished it, so I can't give a full review, but really enjoying it so far. It launched on HBO Max, which recently changed its name and application to Max. So I guess that's what you'll need to look for. But again, it's called Love and Death. And it stars Elizabeth Olsen and Jesse Plemons. It is really entertaining. Also, Elizabeth's character is totally unhinged and she plays that character very well. (laughs) It's really fun to see her in a role like this. I don't think I've ever seen her in something like this. And like her character just displays so many different emotions in short periods of time. You can just tell she's just off her rocker. So it's I can't wait to see where this goes. And then the other kind of recommendation I have for you, (laughs) take it or leave it, 
is called Maybe I Do, and it stars Emma Roberts opposite Luke Bracey. They've starred together in Holiday, which was why I wanted to watch this movie, because I thought they had amazing chemistry on Holiday. I know not everybody loves that movie. I thought it was a great holiday movie. I thought it was funny, sarcastic. I thought they had, like I said, great chemistry, which made it fun to watch. And so I was expecting kind of a lot from this movie, but either they had sex in real life or they don't get along anymore because I feel like the chemistry was way off in this movie or the writing was just bad. I don't know. The, there are a lot of major players in this movie. There's Richard Gere. There's Diane Keaton. I mean, William H. Macy's in it. It's just a lot of, oh, Susan Sarandon. How can you forget? It is a star-studded cast. So I had kind of high expectations going into it. But truthfully, my favorite parts of the movie were when it was the older couples talking in together. All of the dialogue between Emma Roberts' character and Luke Bracey's character made me cringe. And he was pretending to be American. And maybe because I was picturing his Australian accent, I was having a hard time believing it. But I just didn't, I didn't like their chemistry in this movie. Something was not right. And it just, it felt cheesy in any moments they were together in a scene. I didn't hate the movie. Like, I still enjoyed it. I watched the whole thing. But I have to admit, I found the dialogue and the scenes between all of the older cast so much more funny and enjoyable and just fun to watch than the ones with Emma and Luke. It just, those, those were disappointing to me. But if you're just looking for a mindless rom-com to watch on like a lazy Sunday afternoon, check out Maybe I Do. All right, before we get into my full trip recap, let's hear a word from this week's sponsors. If you're like me, you often text your friends and family members when you experience some kind of health crisis or you have weird symptoms you're looking to diagnose and perhaps just looking for advice and support. You're unlikely to find quality medical advice in your group chat, but you can find it from a doctor on ZocDoc. Thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. They'll listen to you like a friend, but they'll give you the expert care you need. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. When you're not feeling your best and just trying to hold it all together, Finding great care shouldn't take up all of your energy. That's where ZocDoc comes in. Using their free app that millions of users rely on, you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash beck and call and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash beck and call. ZocDoc.com slash beck and call. Having just returned from my two-week trip to Brazil and Argentina, I am craving all things health. (laughs) There was a lot of wine consumed. I ate steak sometimes twice a day. And overall, I just ate a lot more and moved a lot less than I'm used to doing. The second I got back, I went to the store and stocked up on all kinds of veggies. I got a lot of salmon and I even got ingredients to try out a copycat P.F. Chang's chicken lettuce wrap recipe that I tried last night and it was so freaking good. The trip was so much fun, but I was definitely eager to get back to my everyday routine at the tail end of the trip. One part of my everyday routine that has become such a highlight is when I take AG1 each morning. It's the first thing I drink after I wake up and it gives me the energy boost I need to start my day right. AG1 from Athletic Greens contains over 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. The special blend of ingredients helps support gut health, 
your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, and so much more. AG1 is lifestyle friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, all while still tasting good. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash beck and call. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash beck and call to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be doing a detailed recap of my trip to Brazil and Argentina. But if you want some visual aids, you can go to merit-beck.com. That's M-E-R-R-I-T-T-B-E-C-K.com. Because on Monday, I did a full detailed post about it. So lots of photos. I wrote about kind of the differences between the Argentinian side and Brazilian side of the falls, our experience at the hotel we stayed at, and a review. Um, So if you want any extra details or want to see just the visual guide of it, just head to merit-beck.com. First, let me tell you about why we were going on the trip. So this year was my stepdad's 80th birthday, and he is an investor in a lodge down in Cordoba. And he loves going down there. They go there like every year. They have not been back since before the pandemic. So this was his first big trip back there. And because it was such a big year for his birthday, he invited his entire family to join. So everybody flew down there. We all met up in Buenos Aires and spent a few days there. And then we flew over to Cordoba to spend a few days at the lodge. But my mom has always expressed an interest in exploring other areas in South America They've gone to Argentina a ton because he's an investor in this lodge. And so they've been going for about a decade. They've been married, I think, 12 years now. But anyway, they've been going a long time, almost every year until the pandemic. So in all of that time, she's really only done Buenos Aires and the lodge. So she had expressed an interest in going to Iguazu Falls. And we decided to do that at the start of this trip and then meet everyone in Buenos Aires after that. So Originally, it was going to be my mom, my sister and I on this trip to Iguazu. But because my sister ended up getting married and other things are going on, she ended up not being able to come on this trip. So it ended up just being my mom and I on this trip. And we flew from DFW to Sao Paulo and then from Sao Paulo to Foz de Iguazu in Brazil. It really was fairly easy to get to because we had a direct flight to Sao Paulo. Obviously, that's an overnight flight. And then it's just a pretty quick flight over to Foz de Iguazu. The only issue was our flight from Dallas got delayed, which means we missed our connection in Sao Paulo. But luckily, American had already pushed us on to another later flight. So we ended up getting there without much incident and it worked out really well. But I just wanted to say that it is really fairly easy to get there. It's just, you know, getting down there initially is the hard part because it's such a long flight. I mean, it's like flying to Europe. It's like an eight eight or nine hour flight, I think. The only difference is you're flying directly south. So, And I will say the one really positive thing about that is the time change isn't bad. So jet lag is not bad. In both Brazil and Argentina, at least where we were, it was only a two hour time change from Dallas. And it's like going to New York, but adding an hour. So really wasn't that hard to adjust to. And once I got back to Dallas, I was fully able to jump into my day and, you know, had no issues. So that's kind of what makes this trip really great. So anyway, back to Iguazu. So we flew into Foz de Iguazu, and I think the drive from the airport was 30 minutes to the hotel. It would be a lot faster, but as soon as you enter the national park, which is the hotel is in the national park, 
there's a speed limit. And I think they go, they go so slow. Like I think it's like 25 miles per hour or something. Very, very slow. So because of our delayed flight, we didn't get there until like 2.30. I think we were originally supposed to get there at like 11.30 or noon. So we immediately dropped our stuff in the room, changed and went to the pool and had lunch at the pool, which having that amazing pool and great food and an amazing hotel was so key to this trip being great because other than doing the falls, there's not much else to do in that area. Like there really isn't anything else. So Getting back to the hotel and we would have free time every day for several hours. Being able to go to the pool, having the nice weather was key to why this was such a fun trip. Obviously, the falls were fantastic and breathtaking and just magnificent to behold. But it was really, really lovely to have that relaxation and a really nice hotel with amazing service and great food and a beautiful pool to sprawl out at when we were when we did have free time. And I will say weather was perfect when we were there. We went like May 11th through 14th or something. Sunny every day, not a cloud in the sky. It was pretty cold in the morning, like 46 to 50 in the morning. But as soon as the sun came out, you got warm. Like if you were in the sun at all, you were warm. There was one morning we did a walk along the falls and then went back and sat outside at the hotel for breakfast. And my leg was in the sun with leggings on. And like, I could feel the heat, of course. I wasn't getting sunburned through my leggings. But when I went back up to the hotel to change, my entire leg was bright red just because the heat of the sun, like it didn't burn my leg, but it just like really heated it up. It's like I was sitting on a heating pad for 30 minutes. The the solar energy down there is incredible. Like it really makes all the difference. As soon as the sun disappears, you get cold. But if it's out, you're warm. But the highest it ever got when we were there, I think it was like 70 or 72. So it's not like that hot if there's a breeze. But if it's just the sun and nothing else, like you will feel it. It is very, very warm because you're so close to the equator. But after such a long kind of travel night and first day, it was so nice to be able to lay by the pool and just relax. And then after a few hours at the pool, we went back to the room and got ready for the evening. And we popped over with champagne glasses in hand to go see the falls. So one of the things that was so neat about staying at the Belmont Hotel, the hotel is called Hotel das Cataratas, um, and it's a Belmont property. It's literally, you can see from our room, you could see the falls. (laughs) So you are literally steps away from the outlook onto the falls on the Brazil side. And there's a little walking trail that goes all the way along to Devil's Throat, which is like one of the main attractions in the area. It's the biggest part of the falls. It's where the biggest volume of water falls. So that evening, while we didn't go on the full walk, we walked down to the Outlook so we could get pictures at sunset. And I'm so glad we did because that was the best sunset we had all three nights. And it was just absolutely stunning really warm colors in the sunset that night. It just looked like such a dream. And we got some photos, we had some champagne, and then we walked back up to the bar at the hotel to finish out our happy hour and then followed that with dinner. And I will say that was one of my favorite parts about being at the hotel was just the proximity to that trail because we did the walk several times and you could do it first thing in the morning before tourists arrive or you could go after the tour buses leave. The tourists were usually there. And I mean, we were tourists too, but I'm talking about like local tourists on tour buses. They would come between the hours of like nine and five and or be gone by five, arrive at nine. You know what I mean? 
And so those times, if you went, it would be very crowded, but early in the morning or after they'd all left, it was really nice and not a lot of people. And so you could really enjoy the quiet and experience the falls and the walk kind of in more serene surroundings. I should also say that the Belmond staff was incredible. They were so on top of everything. They managed all of our tour stuff. We had one guy, Edgar, who was our basically our tour guide the whole time. He did the walk with us one morning on the Brazil side. He drove us over to the Argentinian side and we did the national park there just to see a different perspective. And he knew his stuff. He spoke perfect English so we could fully understand everything he said, which was good because my Spanish and Portuguese aren't great. (laughs) So he was awesome. Everything was just so well executed. They just the service at the hotel was fantastic. The food was fantastic. I truly cannot recommend going there enough. If you're going to stay in Iguazu Falls and do several days, do it at the Belmont. There is another hotel on the other side in Argentina, which looked nice, but it didn't look as nice as the Belmont. And because of the experience I had, I really have to recommend it to you. And in terms of how long you want to stay, I think three nights was perfect because it gave us some downtime each day could certainly do it in a shorter amount of time. And if the weather wasn't great, you probably wouldn't want to stick around for three nights. We just really enjoyed it because the weather was so perfect and we got to lay by the pool in our downtime. So um, if you time it right and the weather is working for you, three nights is kind of the perfect length because you'll have plenty of time to do the both sides and then also have some downtime if you don't want to be active all day long. Okay, I feel like I'm jumping around here and I'm sorry, but that's just how I'm doing this. So uh, the walk on the Brazil side, which is on the side that our hotel was, I I can't remember how long he said the walk was, but I think it took us 30 minutes and it was not a challenging walk. Like we both could do it easily in just sneakers. It's not a hike. It's like a concrete walkway, very safe. Um, There are points where you might get wet. So our tour guide, Edgar, brought along some ponchos for us because if you go on the walkout point where the devil's throat is, you will absolutely get soaked. So we had ponchos on and honestly, that side was my favorite. The Brazil side was my favorite because most of the falls are on the Argentina side. So the Brazil side, you really see the views of the falls. Now, there are still amazing views on the Argentina side. But about half of them, there's an upper circuit, a lower circuit, and then the devil's throat circuit. Half of them are from above. So you're looking down onto the waterfalls. Really, only the lower circuit at the Argentina side of the national park is like really, really excellent views where you see kind of panoramic views of the waterfalls. So I definitely would recommend doing both sides. You could do just one side, but I mean, if you're going to make the trip, you might as well do both. And it really doesn't take that long. I think the Argentina side, it took an hour to drive over there. You obviously need your passport because you're crossing the border. But I think we were in the national park for four hours or so. And we did the lower circuit and the devil's throat circuit. But we nixed the upper circuit because he said you're basically just looking down on the falls. You don't really get great views. And on the Brazil side, there are really no waterfalls. So the views on the upper circuit just kind of aren't worth it, he didn't think, based on what we'd already seen. In terms of what I think I captured the best, like the best photos that I took and videos that I got were on the Brazil side because you're so close. You're so close to everything and you're looking directly onto the falls. And we went in the morning. The lighting was absolutely perfect. We had multiple rainbows. It was just it was it was iconic. It was awesome. And then 
on the Argentinian side, I got a lot of great photos, but it was more sweeping panoramic views. It didn't feel as close. And because it was more crowded, because it's like a national park that opens and closes at certain times, it's not just like a walking trail, like on the Brazil side, it was much more crowded. So actually getting to get photos was a challenge because everyone was vying for the, the best spot, if you will. So that was another thing that I probably didn't love that much about the Argentinian side. So overall, I would say my favorite side was the Brazil side. And I'm really glad we stayed there and were able to walk on it at times when other tourists were not there. That was really awesome. And then one other thing we did in Iguazu that I forgot to mention is we did a boat tour. And this is something that my mom's friend had done and like recommended it. She said it was life changing. They drive you under a waterfall so you get completely soaked. And there's also sort of a mini tour on the way down because you're walking through the woods and they're kind of pointing out the different native plants and animals and things like that. And I would say it's worth it, but I regret not taking my phone. I was worried about taking my phone and they urge you not to because you will get soaked. But I wish I had because we did pull up to the bottom of the falls in one area that you could see from the Brazil side. But this was like... It was like the perfect vantage point for a photo. So if you do do this, take your phone, just put it in a Ziploc bag in your pocket or something. I wish I'd done that. And I had two ponchos on because I just didn't want to end up sopping wet and cold on the way back. And I managed to stay pretty dry aside from like around my neck and the bottom of my leggings. So I wish I wish I'd brought my phone for those photo opportunities. But On the boat tour, they do have a GoPro, so they get photos of the group. And I guess the hotel accidentally booked us a private tour. We didn't realize it was going to be private on the boat, too. (laughs) So it was just us two and then the driver and the photographer guy. And they do have a GoPro, so they'll take photos of you and videos of you as you're going under the waterfalls and stuff. And we did get a couple of cute photos. They're not the highest quality and kind of blurry. So like I said, I would recommend taking your phone, just like put it in a plastic baggie or something. And like I said, at the start of this, all of these photos are on the blog post on Monday. So if you want to see us (laughs) on the boat, you can do that. Uh, I will say I'm a scaredy cat. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I'm also a major control freak, as you know. So I didn't really love the boat ride itself, but like once we got to places, I enjoyed it. And like going under the water was fun. I wouldn't say it was life changing, but we did something that was life changing, though, (laughs) is we saw capybaras. I had never seen one in real life. We'd seen the mini ones, but they look kind of different than the full sized ones. And the full size capybaras look like giant hamsters. Like they have these huge heads. They're kind of furry. And they were all just like laying on the beach, just cuddled up. There were some babies. It was the cutest thing ever. I wish we could have gotten closer. I wish I'd had my own phone so I could have zoomed in because all he got was a GoPro pic and it's kind of far away. So you can't really see them. Oh, but they were so cute. And I was so glad I got to see them. And on both sides, the Argentina side and the Brazil side, we saw plenty of wildlife. We saw a lot of coaties, which are basically they look like a cross between a raccoon and an anteater. We saw a bunch of those on the Argentinian side, because like I said, it's a national park. They have a lot of little snack shops and people end up feeding the animals, which they're not supposed to. But the Cody's just gravitate towards those snack shops to hope for a treat to be tossed their way. So we saw a ton of those. They're super cute. We saw a bunch of beautiful birds. We saw a mini capybara on the Brazil side. Really cool birds. I know I said birds already, but there was one bird and I can't remember what it's called, but it was like the size of a buzzard. 
and it had a black eye surrounded by a really big white mark around. So the eyes looked enormous, even though it wasn't an enormous eye. I'll post a picture of that somewhere if I haven't already, but that was really fun seeing all the wildlife that's so exclusive to that area. I mean, we don't have these animals in the U.S., so that was fun to see. That's kind of our trip, though. I mean, we really just looked at both sides of the falls. We did the walk on our side several times, but we only did the Argentina side that one time, probably spent four or five hours there. And then all other time that we had, we laid by the pool or we were just hanging out at the hotel and grabbing drinks and eating dinner. And we just had the best time. Now, in terms of what I packed, I feel like I packed pretty correctly. I might have packed one additional jacket or something like a workout jacket because it was really, really cold in the morning. So when you're looking at the globe, obviously South America is in the Southern Hemisphere. Like Australia, their winter is the time of our summer. So uh, this time of year is kind of their fall. And like I said earlier, it was like 40s, 50s in the morning, but in the middle of the day, it got to like high 60s, low 70s when the sun was out. And so I definitely brought appropriate stuff for daytime. And while I brought a vest and a thin jacket for the morning, I think it would have been nice to have gloves for that morning walk. Um, But otherwise, I feel like I packed pretty well. I just brought dresses and a bathing suit, obviously, for the pool and then workout clothes for our little tour days. After three nights in Iguazu, we flew to Buenos Aires, but we actually crossed the border driving and then flew out of the Argentinian airport. It was so easy. It took an hour. It was really the quickest thing. Um, And I think the flight was maybe two hours to Buenos Aires, but really, really seamless transition. Crossing the border by car was way easier, I think, than going through passport control at the airport would have been. So that was really nice. And then when we got to Argentina, we dropped off our stuff at the hotel and went to lunch. And I should say the last couple of times that I've stayed in Buenos Aires, the group of us, because it's such a big group, it's like me, my step siblings, everybody is staying. We stayed at the Mio, which is sort of a boutique hotel. It's nice. It's definitely not the nicest place I've stayed in. I think it's more of an economical choice for the big group that we had, but it's it really is very nice and well located. My mom and Morris stayed at the Alviar Palace, which is incredible. I stayed there on my first trip to Buenos Aires like 10 years ago. Uh, That is a fabulous hotel and definitely check out their rooftop bar if you get a chance to go. Um, And they also, as Morris would say, they have the best breakfast in the world. So (laughs) stay at the Alviar Palace if you can. But the Mio is a great option if you're on a budget or going with a big group. But my mom and I went to lunch at the Park Hyatt. The hotel is called Palace Duhau or Palais Duhau. I can't remember. Anyway, she hadn't been there yet, but she'd wanted to try a few new places. And God love Morris, but he's not a very adventurous eater. He doesn't like to try a bunch of new things. So my mom wanted to take the opportunity to try some new places before the rest of the group got there. So we had lunch at the Park Hyatt. They have this beautiful terrace and we sat outside. We both got salads and we shared a couple empanadas, which were so good. And then we had this incredible dessert that was a citrus eclair that had white chocolate. It had like a lemon lime curd in the middle. It was so tasty. It was just like the perfect afternoon. It was kind of chilly outside. It was sunny, but it chilly. There was this giant tree shading the terrace and they brought out these blankets for us. I had somebody ask me where I got the wrap that I was wearing at lunch. It was a blanket. <laughs> it was not something that I owned. Um, but that was a really lovely lunch. And I would recommend that if you're wanting something a little more elevated, not as casual. 
The menu is fairly limited, I will say. We ended up getting the niçoise salad, but without tuna. We asked for chicken instead, and it it tasted so good. So they are willing to accommodate if you want to make some changes to your order. And the service was great. The guy who was our server was a little forgetful, but he was like so outgoing and so friendly. So we let let that slide. He was great. Um, And then after that, I think we stopped at a couple shops. But then we didn't have that much time because we got there fairly late in the day. And so we got back to get ready and kind of unpack. We hadn't really unpacked yet. And then went to dinner at the Four Seasons and went to the bar there. They have a pony bar. And then they have, I can't remember the restaurant is called. It's like Eloisa or Louisa or Lily. I don't know. It's a girl's name, the restaurant. We both were disappointed in the bar experience and the restaurant. And it's ranked as one of the best restaurants in Buenos Aires, but trust me, do not go. The steak we ordered, which was very expensive, was almost inedible. I know that steak down there is a little chewier because it's grass fed, but this was not good. All the steak we had at the lodge was 10 times better, so flavorful and delicious. And whatever they served us was just like terrible. So (laughs) I would not recommend eating dinner at the Four Seasons if you go there. I'm sure the hotel is nice, but the food was not good. So don't go there. So that that was really the only bad meal I had on the trip was at the Four Seasons, if you can believe it. And then the rest of our group arrived the next morning and some of them went on a little bus tour who hadn't been to Buenos Aires yet. But I went shopping with my mom and Morris. They had a driver. So I just hopped right in and followed them around. And if you're looking to do some shopping in Buenos Aires, there are several favorites that my mom and Morris always go to. And that would include Casa Lopez, Frankel's. Uh, Silva y Mario, Rossi and Caruso. And then we discovered a couple of new places. And one of them I really scored big at. It's called Delja, D-E-L-G-E with an apostrophe. And they actually have a location in Miami. So you can shop some of their items online, which if you're unfamiliar with Argentina, their import export is like non-existent. So like if a brand does not have a warehouse where they're actually making the product in Argentina, It cannot be sold in Argentina. So most of what is sold in Argentina is Argentinian brands. There was an Hermes. There are a couple of other big commercial brands there, but you you don't want to shop there. You want to shop at the local stores. But what's cool about Delja is because they have a Miami location and they have an Argentinian location with a warehouse. I think it's originally from Argentina and then they opened a location in Miami. You can buy it online in the U.S., which is great. Um, But you're buying from the Miami store. If you buy in the U.S., they don't ship out from the Argentina store. So Delja was really cool. They had a lot of like exotic bags, like lizard, crocodile, really fun colors, modern shapes, like very chic. I feel like a lot of the bags, like the leather goods in Argentina are very local and kind of have all the same look. Like it's a lot of black and tan and a little more Western vibes, if you will, a little more South American vibes. But Delja feels way more fashionable. It feels like something that you would spot at a store in New York or L.A. It's not as um, locally influenced, I guess, if you will. I just felt like it was a little more fresh and modern and the colors were so fun. I just I wanted to buy everything in the store. They truly had so many cute things. There was one like teal crocodile tote, (laughs) y'all. I wanted it so bad. It was six thousand dollars. So I obviously did not get it. But I did end up leaving with two bags. I found this really cool gray lizard 
belt bag and I have a couple belt bags and they're perfect for summer. But what I love about this one is it's adjustable so that I can wear it on my waist with a dress or I can wear it on my hips with jeans. So it's kind of versatile. I thought the color was cool. It's a really cool shape. And then there was another really beautiful teal bag, also lizard, and it's a crossbody. And you guys know, I've talked about this before, but I love to be hands-free. I, lo- I loved that tote, but I truly don't wear totes that much. Like when I'm just bopping around Dallas or when I'm traveling, I don't like to have to worry about handling things. Like I just want it on me and I don't want to worry about it. So I got the crossbody and I got the belt bag and I'm so happy, but the clothes were fabulous too. They had the most amazing jacket. It was leather and she said it was white, but it kind of looked like a pale blue to me. It was a cooler toned white, I guess. And it had the cutest fit. It was like cropped and just kind of had a retro look to it, but it was so small. It was, it was the smallest size they had. And that was the only size. And it just like, obviously did not fit me because everyone's smaller down there anyway. But oh, you guys, if they had had my size, I would have bought that in an instant. And it had matching shorts. It had a matching skirt. Like you could have picked any kind of bottoms to have a matching set. It was just so cute. But anyway, check out Delja. You can shop it in the US at, in Miami on their website. Um, but if you go to Buenos Aires, definitely go to the store because they had a lot more in stock in store than they had on the website. I checked. So check that out. And then the other place that my mom found something It was called Antigua Tejeduria, Argentina. And it was a lot of really beautiful handmade wraps and scarves, not really scarves, but really like wraps or ponchos and capes made of, uh, there was a cashmere one, there was a merino one, there was guanaco, which is kind of the Argentinian version of an alpaca. That's what the blanket is on my bed but really, really beautiful, soft colors. My mom got one in a navy with a black leather trim that was gorgeous, and she ended up wearing it at the lodge, but they had beautiful creamy neutrals and ivory, and it just really, really gorgeous capes and like warm layers like that. So those those two stores were basically right across the street from each other in Buenos Aires. So check those out. And then Casa Lopez is where I found a couple of other items. I found some house shoes that are very comfortable there. They have a bunch of really great leather goods. I got this leather trench jacket that I'm really excited about. And I also got another blanket there. Um, So Casa Lopez is one you won't want to miss as well. Now, in terms of meals that we really did like in Buenos Aires, my favorite was at Soda Voce, which is an Italian restaurant. I believe they have more than one location, but it is some of the best Italian I have ever had that is not in Italy. And something that I didn't really know There is a big Italian presence in Argentina, so that's why there are so many good Italian restaurants there, I guess. But this is this place is so fantastic. The service was great. Upon arrival, we each got a complimentary glass of Prosecco. (laughs) We also were served limoncello at the end, just like so perfect. Love limoncello. And then everything just was so fresh. The pasta was all handmade and it's a very extensive menu. But Morris, for example, I've, I've mentioned this already, but Morris is sort of a picky eater and just likes what he likes. Like he loves a cream sauce. He does not want a red sauce at an Italian restaurant. And he just asked if they would make him a fettuccine or like a carbonara. And they said we could absolutely do carbonara. Several of us ended up ordering that. It was maybe the best carbonara I've ever had in my life. If we'd had time, I would have gone back there another night. It was that good. I would 100% recommend it. Go eat the pasta, ask for the carbonara if they'll make it. 
It was truly outstanding. And then Morris got some gelato for dessert. I ended up not ordering dessert, but of course ended up eating a bite of a lot of other people's at my table. (laughs) And Morris got uh, chocolate and vanilla gelato, and it was some of the best gelato I have ever eaten. Like, I just, I don't understand why U.S. restaurants can't replicate that. The Italian food in the U.S. is shit compared to what we had in Buenos Aires. So anyway, highly recommend Soda Voce. It was such a fabulous dinner. We also had a nice lunch in Palermo, which is a really fun area for shopping if you're wanting to shop other local brands. And they have a bunch of cute restaurants. It's sort of like I would compare it to like a Soho in New York. It's a little more boutique-y, not so commercial. And the lunch we had was at El Preferido, which was it's just sort of a casual place, but they had Spanish omelets, great salads. They had chicken milanese. They had uh, soul. I mean, they had all kinds of things. It was a very wide ranging menu. We thought they were going to have empanadas, but then we didn't see them on the menu, but then we saw them as we were leaving. So I don't know what they were labeled as on the menu, but they were not labeled as empanadas, but know that they have them <laughs> if you want them. Because this was my third time to Buenos Aires, I really didn't like feel the need to do much touristy stuff. Like I didn't need to do a tour. I would have liked walking through the Recoleta Cemetery again, but we ended up not doing that that's all right. It's probably not something I'm like desperately needing to do again, but I just thought while we were there, I probably could have, but, um, everyone was wanting to do different things. Although my mom and I did go on a long walk the morning of everybody arriving. And we asked the concierge at her hotel, what place to go to for that. And he suggested the Avenida de Libertador. Um, it's basically a really, and I'm sorry, my pronunciation is terrible. Avenida de Libertador. It's probably better. Um, It's a really long walk. You basically walk from the Alvear Palace to the zoo, which I think they're closing the zoo or moving it or something, but that's just how far you walk. And then you walk all the way back. But it's a really large thoroughfare. It's a very busy street. It was really funny, though, because we saw so many dogs. I swear I saw 200 dogs on our walk that morning. There's so many dog walkers that are wrangling like 15 dogs at a time. I only got a photo and video of one set of them. I wish I'd had my phone out the whole time because it was just so entertaining to watch. (laughs) They were really cute too. I did see quite a few Frenchies, but mostly like I saw a lot of mutts. I saw a lot of like mini poodles or kind of shih tzu looking animals that really small kind of fluffy dogs. Saw a lot of those. But if you're looking to get outside and like want to see more of the city and but actually like maybe get a little bit of a workout in, definitely go on the uh, let's see if I can pronounce it again. The Avenida del Libertador. That was cool. And then from Buenos Aires, we flew to Cordoba and that is where the lodge is. Now, I'm sure I'm not going to make people happy by saying this, but it's a hunting lodge. I'm not a hunter, but um, some of the men in my family are and Dove hunting is very popular in Argentina, and this is a dove hunting lodge. And even if you're not a hunter, like I am not, you would still enjoy the lodge. Although that is the primary function of this lodge is they set up dove hunting for you. But if, if say your family is going like mine did, there are other things that you can do while people are hunting. Like you can go horseback riding. They have masseuses that come on the property. They have like a full spa set up. There's a pool, there's a hot tub, there's a steam sauna. Um, they have a bunch of games. You can walk all along the property. They have bikes. I mean, there's plenty to do and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful there. The food is incredible. Every meal is so delicious. The service is outstanding. They're just like waiting on you hand and foot. It is such a luxurious experience. 
Um, and I mean, say what you want about hunting. I know it's not everybody's favorite thing. Like I said, I'm not a hunter, but, uh, it was really fun to be there with family. And, you know, I did get to go horseback riding, which was fun. I haven't done that since 2020. I obviously don't do it very often, but I love horses and it's just a fun way to explore an area. So that was really nice. Argentina is known for beef. (laughs) There's a lot of steak. And so we ate meat, red meat practically every meal. A couple of the meals they gave you options for pasta or salmon one night was offered, but it truly is mostly like some cut of beef. They did have really good salads and grilled vegetables with some of the meals. Probably my favorite thing to do at the lodge is the field lunch. So after people have gone hunting in the morning, you meet up with them in the field and the lodge has set up this incredible outdoor lunch setup where they've grilled meats and they'll give you wine and all these prepared salads and you get to sit and enjoy outside. And it's just like really a lovely experience and just so fun to be with family. It was a really nice time. I got to know some of my um, step siblings, significant others a little better. And it, it just was really lovely. But that's kind of what we did from what day was that? We arrived Thursday and left Monday. So for kind of a long weekend, we were at the lodge and then we headed home and the flight home, it was three flights, actually. So you fly from Cordoba to Buenos Aires. We had to fly from Buenos Aires to Miami and Miami to Dallas. They're usually direct flights to and from Buenos Aires from Dallas. But for some reason on the day we needed to leave, everyone was leaving on Monday because my mom and Morris had a couple of other people out right after we left. They had some couples join them. So we all had to leave on Monday. The people who were going back to Dallas had to fly through Miami, which was kind of a bummer, (laughs) but it turned out fine. Um, uh, The only issue is when I, after I rechecked my bags in Miami and was going through security again, I lifted my backpack onto the conveyor belt. And as I was doing that, I must've twisted in a weird way because I felt an immediate pain in my back. I don't, I don't remember feeling a pop or anything, but it just like an immediate pain, sharp pain in my back. And then the rest of my back lit up like my back had just gone out. Now I was able to walk fine, but it was like so much pain anytime I did any torsion or twisting of any kind. And it still isn't. I'm still in pain. Truthfully, Uh, this morning is the first time I did a workout and I just did a 10 minute abs workout. I've been walking a little bit, but not a bunch of movement. I just don't want to aggravate it at all. But I mean, y'all, is this what it's like when you get older? Like I'm a 35. Like I'm not that old yet. I just. If this is what it's going to be like every year, just like a new pain or issue that I have to deal with, like I'm not looking forward to it. I'll say that. And so my the last flight home was really, really uncomfortable, even though I was in business class. Thank you, mom, for that. Just any sitting in any position was very uncomfortable. And, you know, the, the seats are stiff regardless of whatever class you're in. So that was sort of annoying. And then getting home, I ended up working from bed the last two days just because I did not. I didn't really want, I mean, even sitting here recording this, it, in certain positions, it gets really, really uncomfortable. So hopefully this will just loosen up. I don't really want to go to a chiropractor. I don't want to aggravate it further. I just want it to like loosen up on its own. I'm hoping that's what will happen. So I've gotten some recs from people, but please don't send me any. I I don't need any more. I'm not looking for medical advice, but just complaining because it hurts. (laughs) But overall, it was a fantastic trip. I had such a great time. And as I mentioned earlier, because there wasn't really much of a time difference, I really was able to get back into my regular routine fairly quickly. 
Um, I didn't set an alarm <laughs> the first night to wake up because I just felt like it would be a good opportunity to catch up on sleep. So that was really nice. I slept until like 8 a.m., went to sleep at like 9.30. So got a good amount of sleep. And now I'm just kind of playing catch up and getting organized for what's ahead. And I didn't mention this on the podcast yet, but people who follow me on Instagram or get my newsletter might have seen this. But my assistant Liza's last day was, I think, the 10th. So right before I left town. This summer would have been four years of her working for me. She's worked for me full time the last three. Before that, she was on a part time basis. And I absolutely loved having her on my team. I just think we were both ready for a change. And I'm ready to go back to not having a full time employee. I think it was really, really wonderful during the pandemic when I was home already, um, having extra help and being able to create more content. But now that the world is open back up, I'm ready to be mobile again. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm chained to my desk. And that is absolutely self imposed pressure. She could have worked from home. She could have worked remotely. But as a business owner, I think it makes most sense for me if I'm going to be having employees to be here more often. And I think going forward, I'm going to just if I do hire people, it's going to be on a freelance basis. Like I'll, I'll hire a photographer when I need to shoot campaigns. But most of the stuff that I shoot now is for Instagram and it's all on my phone. So I really only need a photographer like once or twice a month these days. And, you know, Part of the reason I absolutely love what I do is the freedom to be able to work from anywhere and be as mobile as possible. And like if I wanted to go to Austin for three weeks or go to New York for a month, like I could do that. But when I have an employee that I feel like I need to kind of manage and keep up on, keep up with, um, I, I just didn't really feel comfortable doing that with a full time employee. So that's something I'm really excited about going forward is just kind of figuring out my new schedule. I'm going to be a little bit more relaxed with myself. I'm not going to wake myself up at six every morning. I don't know. That's that's and I talked about this with Kathleen Barnes and she was saying, you know, one of the reasons this job is so great is because I do get to do whatever I want. Like if I wanted to get a Manny Petty at two o'clock in the afternoon, like I don't have to feel guilty about having an employee at the house. And she's so right. <laughs> like she might have put a bee in my bonnet in that episode because that was something that I took full advantage of before the pandemic. But I feel like since the pandemic, I've just gotten into this like office hours mode and I'm ready to get out of that. I'm ready to break free and like do my own thing. Like I may go to New York for a month this fall, take Reese's with me, have her become a city dog. Like I'm just I'm excited to explore that again, explore that side. So you may get more travel content coming up. And I'm hoping that this really improves my Instagram content as well, because I feel like when you're just sitting behind a desk all day, like I was doing most of the days of the week, I just didn't have a lot of fun stuff to share. So hopefully this allows me to be out and about and have more fun things to share more regularly. But I did want to take this opportunity to say thank you and show gratitude to Liza for all of her hard work over the last four years. She's been such a big part of the team, my really my only other part of the team. And we had so much fun working together and I can't wait to see what she does next and wish her all of the support and luck and all of that. She's actually on her honeymoon right now, so I hope she's having a fabulous time. Um, But just wanted to say thank you to her and thank you to y'all for listening and being so supportive over the years. My business has obviously always changed and evolved with whatever's going on and I can't wait to see what happens next. That's it for this week's episode. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider giving Beck and Call a five-star rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. 
You can follow along on Instagram at Beck and Call Podcast and follow me at Merit Beck for travel content and fashion and all the good stuff. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>